Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church, located in Newberry, Florida, where Rocky McKinley is our lead pastor. Thanks for tuning in. Here's today's message. Last week, we began a two-week series called Open Book, and today I'm going to try and close out this series. And last week, I read to you from John chapter 1, and we saw the example that Christ set for us. Jesus came to earth to live life as an open book. His life was on display to teach us how to live our lives. He, he opened his life up. He, he lived in a glass house, if you will, to show us how to live our lives. And as Christians, we are called to live life on display. Don't let anybody ever try and convince you otherwise. I'm telling you, you are called as a Christian to live your life on display. Our lives are meant to be read by others. And some people that will never read a Bible, they will read the Bible through your life. Until God gets a hold of their heart and they become hungry for his word, they're going to read what, what God has put in your life. And they're going to read your life and become, uh, be drawn closer to Jesus Christ. I recently read a report about a woman from Quebec that was on long-term sick leave. A year and a half ago, the woman was granted leave from her job because of a depression diagnosis. Um, and she was receiving sick leave benefits every month from her insurance company. However, the pictures that she posted on social media showed her having quite a bit of fun at the beach. And then there were more pictures of her living it up at a Chippendale show and, and enjoying her birthday uh, with some, some close friends. Uh, as you can imagine, these pictures made her look happy rather than depressed. And when the insurance company found out about this through some investigation, they assumed that she was over the depression and they stopped paying the benefits. And I guess you could say that being an open book did not pay off for her. And what I'm going to show you today is that sometimes being an open book may not pay off for you. Most of us know someone that posts too much on social media. Some of you are people that post too much on social media. Let's do it like this. How many of you know someone that posts too much on social media? Raise your hand high. Now I want you to tell the truth. How many of you are that person? Wow, more in this. We really need to pray. There's more in this service than there were in, in the first service. Um, we had one hand went up in the first service for that, but they're everywhere in here. Let's just pray now. Let's just do that. <laughs> you know, you know these kind of people that that from the moment they wake up, they're on social media, and immediately you know what kind of mood they are in for the day. You do. They will they will post. This is how I'm feeling, you know, and so you'll you'll see it. We we know what they had for breakfast. We didn't care, but we know what they had for breakfast. Uh, if they received horrible service at a restaurant, we know it. We know about their family problems. We know about their political views. We read their political rants. We block them if they keep on with their political rants. Shoot, we even know every time they flush the toilet. Let's just be honest. I mean... We, we see this, and, and they're, just, they're just putting their world out there. And some people, they feel the need to tell the world about their life, whether the world wants to hear it or not. And last week, I challenged us to live our lives as open books. But this week, I want to make sure that we are displaying what people really need to see. 
Because many people are open books. I, I, I told you last week, you're called to be an open book. And there are many people that are open books, but few choose to tell the right story. And so you got to make sure that your life is an open book, but that your life is telling the right story. And so I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew 26. And as you turn there, I'll kind of explain to you what's happening here. Jesus is praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. And um, he, is, he, he has finished the Last Supper with the disciples in the upper room, and he is about to be arrested. And so we pick it up here at verse 47. It's Matthew 26, verse 47, and it reads, While he was still speaking, Judas came, one of the twelve, and with him a great crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests and elders of the people. Now the betrayer had given them a sign, saying, The one I will kiss is the man, seize him. And he came up to Jesus at once and said, Greetings, Rabbi, and he kissed him. Jesus said to him, Friend, do what you came to do. Then they came up and laid hands on Jesus and seized him. And behold, one of those who were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. Then Jesus said to him, put your sword back into its place. For all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Do you think that I cannot appeal to my father and he will at once send me more than 12 legions of angels? But how then should the scriptures be fulfilled that it must be so. All four of the Gospels tell about this same incident that occurred on the night that Christ was betrayed and arrested. All four. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all tell about this particular incident. They all have their version of the way things went down that night, but it is only John who squeals and points the, the finger at Peter. It's only him. He's the only one that, that wants to be a tattletale and says he's the one that did it. In his writings, he makes sure that you know he is the one that, that, that cut off the ear of the servant of the high priest. Now, I got to thinking about this, and I thought, man, poor Peter. The poor guy. He was just caught up in life, caught up in a moment, bam! His mentor, his friend is arrested and ripped from his life. Betrayed by one of his close followers. I mean, can you imagine this? It can happen to the best of us. Life throws you a curveball. You take the bait and before you know it, you have said or you have did something that you shouldn't have done. And everybody in this room, we've, we've done this before. Somebody wronged you. And in the heat of the moment, you said something that you probably shouldn't have said. You responded in a way that wasn't very Christ-like. It's happened. Like I said, it happens to the best of us. This happened to me last year. Me and four other guys from our church were invited back to play in a three-on-three -three basketball tournament. We were the defending champs, but this time around, the competition was a little bit more fierce. This time around, the teams were bigger. There were more teams. They were stronger. 
And I knew that if we were going to repeat as champions, if we were going to win this thing, that we would have to, to play the best basketball that we could play. We couldn't make any mistakes. Uh, we were going to have to play as a team. And, and, and so I knew that we were going to have our hands full that day. But it, it, it really became apparent during that first game that we were not going to get the calls that we needed to get. It was double elimination. Once you lose two games, you're out of this thing. And so I, I could tell that, uh, that the ref was not going to give us the calls that we would, would need in order to win that game. And, and out of frustration, I looked at the ref. I mean, literally, he was, he was calling all of these fouls on us, and the other team just had one or two fouls. And I was very frustrated. And, and this was a, a high school referee. He gets paid to do this, and, and, and they had recruited him for this particular tournament. And so uh, out of frustration, I looked at this ref and I, and I simply said something like this. I said, hello, Mr. Referee. You look nice in stripes. You know, it sure would be nice to get a few calls our way. But if you can, I understand. Thanks. And I walked off. That's all I said. At least that's what it sounded like in my head. I think the way it really came out was a little bit more frustrating, a little bit more frustration involved with it when I said, hey, Blue, there are two teams on this court and only one's getting the call. Can you give some, some calls our way? And at that moment, he did not receive it the same way I thought I heard it. He received it more like the way you just heard it. And, and at that moment, he decides that he is going to call a technical foul in a three-on-three -three basketball tournament. Yes, the pastor of Destiny Community Church got called with a technical foul in a basketball tournament. It happened. It's kind of a pattern in my life. Every time I coach, I get called for technical fouls. I don't know why. Last, last year, second game out of the season, who was the first coach from our bench to get called with a technical foul? Me. Me. Caused our coach to have to sit down the rest of the game. Our head coach couldn't stand up the rest of the game. It was my fault because that happened. When I used to coach rec league basketball, I was good for at least one, maybe two technical fouls a year. Coaching 10 and 12-year-olds. It's the reason why Josh Bryant won't let me coach and pray them play. is because <laughs> I get called with too many technical fouls. He's afraid they'll find our church. Here's the worst part. Through high school basketball, this referee, he knew me as a pastor. And I'd raise my voice at him out of frustration, justified in my mind for doing it. But he heard me. He recognized me. Now, we made up a little bit later, and later on he was joking around with me, and he said, you know, hey, if, uh, if you want me to, I'll, I'll rescind. I'll take that technical foul back, and there's absolutely nothing you can do. They, you know, he already let them shoot the free throws over it, but he said, I, you know, joking around, I'll take it back. I said, please don't do that. You'll take away my street cred. Don't take, don't take it away from me. You know, I need this. Yesterday, social media lit up shortly after noon. I don't, I don't know if you noticed it. Probably most of you did. The Philadelphia Eagles surprisingly released Tim Tebow from their roster just days after he impressed the sports world, throwing for 189 yards and two, D, two touchdowns in his last final preseason performance. 
And on top of that, the Eagles had already released one of their backup quarterbacks, which moved Tebow up the depth chart. So it, it seemed as if Tebow's you know, dream of playing professional football again, it seemed like that was going to transpire. But then the Eagles decided to go a different direction, and they dropped Tebow from their roster. And, and it just lit up all over social media yesterday. You know, what are they doing? Nobody expected this. Um, and honestly, I've got to be honest today, it didn't affect me too much. I'm a Florida fan, and I know I'm here near Gainesville, and this is dangerous, but it really didn't affect me much because, one, I'm not an Eagles fan at all, and two, I'm certain that Tebow is going to be okay financially. You know, yeah, crush a man's dreams a little bit, but come on, it's Tim Tebow. It's like God's second son, you know? He's going to be fine. <laughs> The guy's going to be fine. So I really wasn't worried about it. I really wasn't. And, but what did affect me was Tebow's response less than four hours later. I don't know if any of you were able to see that or not, but here's what he tweeted. He said, thanks, Eagles and Coach Kelly, for giving me the opportunity to play the game I love. Romans 828, hashtag blessed. Man, I read that and I thought to myself, how can someone respond to disappointment like that? How can someone be that classy? How can someone who, who his whole world was just rocked? I mean, I know in the big scheme of things, professional football doesn't really matter, but this is a guy's dream. And less than four hours later, the first thing the, the, the world hears from him is that, thank you, Eagles, thank you, coach, for giving me the opportunity to play the game I love. And as I thought about it, I realized to find out how someone can respond to life's disappointments like that, you've got to read the verse that he tweeted. Romans 8 and 28 says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. And, and church, I'm telling you, if, if you really believe that verse, if it really sinks into your mind, if you know it in your heart, if you know it and believe it, that verse right there has the potential to change every response that you have to life situations. I, I could just stop right here. Right now, I could just stop and just say, if you buy into that, if you truly believe God's word and you believe that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose, if you believe that right there, then, then it changes everything in your life. It changes the way you look at every outcome. But like me, Peter took the bait. Like me, Peter didn't respond the right way. He responded to disappointment in a way that was destructive. And I'm telling you, we do this every day with our lives, whether it be on social media or in the workplace or at school or just in our homes. We respond to disappointment in a way so many times that becomes destructive. It's so ironic to me that Peter cut off a man's ear. In the heat of the moment... His response is, grab the sword, cut off the man's ear. Listen to Romans 10 and 14. It says, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to what? Hear. Say it again. Hear. 
And how are they to hear without someone preaching? Way to go, Peter. Now the man can't even hear what's about to happen. And what's about to happen is life-changing. What's about to happen has the ability to change all of our lives in this room if we can learn to live life like this open book. Jesus, the open book, what John chapter 1 calls the Word. Jesus, the Word, responds to him, and he says something along these lines. He says, Peter, don't you know that if I needed to be saved, that my Father would send 12 legions of angels to save me? Most research believes that a Roman legion had somewhere around 6,000 soldiers in it. So he, he says basically, don't you know that there would be like 12 times 6,000 angels that would be dispatched to save me if I needed to be saved? And, and then he takes it a step farther and he says, but Peter, have you also considered that this is part of my story? The scriptures must be fulfilled. And, and there are thousands of Old Testament prophecies that have to come true in my life they have to be fulfilled and so Peter have you not thought that this whole thing is part of my life story and then the book of John says that Jesus picks up the man's ear and sticks it back on his head and suddenly he can hear again it's amazing It's amazing how that one tragic moment had the ability to influence so many lives that were standing around. And so we have to ask ourselves this. How do we respond to life? How do we respond to unforeseen circumstances? How do we respond to life's trials? How do we respond to the unexpected? How do we respond to the disappointments? How do we respond when people let us down? How do we respond when things don't go our way? How do you respond to life? How do you respond to family drama? How's it happen? What does that look like in your world? And, and let me just put this out there. If you and your spouse, if you're having and, and you're going through a hard time in your marriage, let me tell you the worst thing you can do is to go and share that with somebody else. Don't go to work and put your spouse out there on display for the whole world to see. Don't put it on social media. How many times have we seen this played out? We have seen this happen in our own congregation that somebody is upset with their spouse and maybe they're justified in it. Maybe they have a right to be upset, but they put it out there for the world to see and then all of a sudden they work things out and they expect everybody else to be okay with it. There's nobody left to blame except for you. You put it out there. Stop selling your family members out because we believe that in all things God works for the good, for those who are called according to his purpose. If we really believe that, God is going to be able to restore that relationship. 
How do you respond when there's vocational drama in your life? I'll tell you, one of my biggest pet peeves with people is when they up and quit a job in the heat of the moment. The enemy has, has worked you over when that happens. Because now everybody else has to suffer through helping you pick up the pieces when you needed to just sit back, get calm, relax, maybe go find another job and give you two weeks' notice. Biggest regret in my, my life, one of the biggest regrets that I have, honestly, is quitting a job and spur of the moment because I was mad at the manager. And I was 18 years old when that happened. I regret it to this day. How do you respond, you over-competitive dads, when the coach doesn't play your son or doesn't play your daughter? What is the world reading out of your open book, out of your life story? What are they reading when the referee makes a bad call? Remember, do as I say and not as I do, okay? <laughs> Don't respond like me. Over-competitive dads. What, what happened? And in this day and age, it's over-competitive moms. I heard they're some of the worst ones at baseball games. Overprotective moms. When somebody wrongs your baby, how do you respond to that? Are you telling me I shouldn't be upset? No, I'm not telling you you shouldn't be upset. I'm telling you there's a proper way to handle everything in life. There's a way to confront things and there's a way not to confront things. It's probably a good time for me to remind everybody. Right place, right time, right attitude. You can talk about anything. But if it's not the right time, right place, right attitude, back up. Get a breather. Take some steps. Because here's what we do. We have this tendency to laugh off our weaknesses and our faults. We do. We'll tell people things like, well, that's just how I am. You've got to deal with it. You've got to get over it. And we have this tendency to just kind of push aside our weaknesses and our faults. Somebody put recently on, on social media, they put out this, this tweet that said, don't poke mama bear. In other words, you poke me, you, you do something wrong to my kid, I am going to respond. I'm going to retaliate. And so don't poke mama bear. No, no. Mama bear needs to give her heart to Jesus and get some things right in her life is what needs to happen. Mama bear needs to learn how to respond to life circumstances is what needs to happen. We've turned into this opinionated society that we care more about our rights and our freedom of speech than we do about righteousness and forgiveness. Oh, I know I'm all over your toes right now. It's, it's okay. I'm not even going to go to the back door. I'm just going to go out the back door today. I'm not going to say hey to anybody. We do. We're more concerned about freedom of speech than we are about righteousness and forgiveness. Let me mess up your world. I, I appreciate the country I live in. I'm so thankful that we have freedom of speech. But never once did Jesus defend your freedom of speech. Not one time. I, I can tell you this. He didn't die for your freedom of speech. And so just because you have a right doesn't mean that you don't have the responsibility to handle it the right way. Amen, Pastor. Mandy and I were recently, a week ago Friday, we uh, decided to try out a new restaurant in town. 
It was their opening day. And they had put out on social media that they were going to be open until 1030, staying, late, uh, staying open late on their first day of business until after the football game. So we went to the local high school football game. And at the end, we left the field and we walked in the restaurant. It was about 1012. They were staying open until 1030 is what they advertised. And it was about 1012. We walk in and everybody in the room just kind of stops. You know, it was like the music stopped and all eyes were on us. And there were people eating and all the employees behind the counter just looked at us like deer in the headlights. And I just said, are you still open? The lady looked at me and went, no. Now, let me tell you what I wanted to do. <laughs> I wanted to look at her and say, well, you said on Facebook that you'd be open till 1030 to accommodate the crowd. It's your first day of business, moron. This is what I wanted to say. I didn't say it. I did not say that. I did not. Do not tweet that. Do not quote that. But that's what I wanted to say. I wanted to say, it's your first day of business name. And you need to get back to that kitchen and make my burrito now. That's what I wanted to say. But sometimes God operates in a still small voice or a gentle little hand. And Mandy squeezed my hand. She could feel my blood pressure rising as I said, are you still open? No. And I felt the squeeze. And we turned around and we walked out the door. And on our way back to our car, I looked at Mandy and I said, I don't care if I ever eat there. They'll never get my business. Until Friday when Mandy called me and said, you want to go to lunch? And we went down there and we ate. And it was pretty good. It was actually really good. It was really, really good. You see, it's not just social media. It's at restaurants. It's how you respond to people. It's how you let Christ live through you. It, it, it's at stores. It's in traffic. It's in the drive through You see, when you realize that you were created to tell his story, you'll stop interjecting with your own commentary. And that's the problem with too many of us. Because of freedom of speech, we think we have the right to say anything that comes to our mind. But let me tell you something. You lost your rights when you allowed Jesus Christ into your life. When he paid a price for your sins and you received that without anything of your doing, you gave up your rights. And you said, from here on out, I'm going to represent Jesus Christ with my life. And the problem with the church right now is that we've stopped representing Jesus Christ with our actions. There's responsibility on all of our lives and we've got to live life like that you're not your own you're not your life as a Christian should tell the story of his grace not your grumbling your life's story it already has a leading role and you are not the leading role your life's story is not about you it's about him He's invited you into this. You get to be a role player, but he is the star of your open book. Galatians 2 and 20 says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. It's not about me anymore. And you have no business trying to write your story because you're going to mess it up. And so Hebrews 12 and 2 reminds us that Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. Man, put the pen back in his hands. Let him write your life story. Your life story is an autobiography about Christ, but it's written by him. 
So why do you keep making it about you? Why do we keep making it about us? 2 Corinthians 5 and 20 says, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. You see, the hardship, the trial that you face today, it's not even about you. You want to make it about you. I want to make it about me. But what you're going through right now or what you're going to go through, it's really not about you. It's an opportunity for God's glory to be revealed through your life. That's what it's about. And it's the reason why Paul could write 2 Corinthians chapter 12, starting at verse 7, where he said, There was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. He said, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, listen to what God said, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why for Christ's sake, and listen to how he words this. Paul says, I delight in weaknesses, in insults in hardships, in persecutions, in in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. For when I am weak, I'm stronger. Because it's not about me. It's about him. And when you get that mindset, when you understand that he can make everything work out together for your good, when you understand that, when you understand the story is really about him, you will not go through life worrying. You will not go through life disappointed because you know that you serve a God that is a jealous God and God wants to be exalted among the nations. He is not going to let himself down because your life story is not about you. It's about him. One of the most beautiful things about it is that when you realize this and you realize that the story is not about you, that your open book life is not about you and that you're displaying Christ for the world to see, when you get that, he allows the rewards of that to flow back into your life. This Friday, our nation will remember the tragic events of September the 11th, 2001. And there's a pastor who I have had the opportunity to meet a couple of times by the name of Jim Cimbala. He's the pastor of the great Brooklyn Tabernacle in New York. In his book, God's Grace from Ground Zero, he shares a few stories of people who were already having a bad morning before that day really got started. One man, he was a representative of a firm with headquarters located in the World Trade Center. He was on a business trip that day that he did not want to make. It was an inconvenience for his life. He was not happy about going on this business trip. But while he was on the plane bound for Toronto, the office and the floor that he worked on was completely destroyed in just a few seconds. There was a woman that had a terrible flu bug that day that kept her from going to work. It wasn't fun. It wasn't comfortable. She did not sign up for it. But yet that was her bad morning that kept her from going to work at the World Trade Center. There was another woman that her car stalled and she couldn't get it started in time to be at her usual place of employment at 2 World Trade Center. And if social media would have been as prominent then as it is now, she may have tweeted something like this. I'm just letting my imagination work a little bit, but, but I know some of my Facebook friends and Twitter followers, and here's, here's what I think that she probably would have said. She probably could have said something like, 
I'll never buy another Ford again. Or maybe she would have said, I paid the mechanic and the thing still won't run. Or maybe she'd been through a divorce and, and she would tweet something like this. Ex-husband got the good car and I'm stuck with this piece of junk. Hashtag single mom probs. Because it was just another day with another problem and something to complain about. But thank God that they had something to complain about. Because it saved their life. These types of stories, they remind us of a strange but true fact that sometimes seamless, negative, or frustrating moments, they often bring about beneficial results for our lives. And you know why? It's Romans 8 and 28. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. That means everything that you have went through in your life. It's good. God can turn it around. So why do I have to go through it? Because it's not your story. There was a man in the Bible that was blind. They said, why is he blind? Is, it, is he blind because of his sin or his parents' sin? He was blind from birth. Why, why is he blind? Jesus said, this man is blind so that the glory of God may be revealed through him. What if that bad news that you just got was allowed to come into your life so that the glory of God could shine through you? What if that's the case? What if that is where you're really at in life? What if that is, is why he is allowing you to go through certain things? Because it's his story, not yours. And when the world reads your life, it should glorify him. When the world sees how you handle the waitress that brings out the wrong food to the table, the person who cuts you off in traffic, when the world sees how you handle life when you get the diagnosis that you were praying you wouldn't get, It's not about you. It's not about me. I'm here for one reason, to glorify God. And he lets me be a supporting cast member. And he's the star. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. We pray you have been blessed by today's message. We would love to meet you in person. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org or call the church office at 352-472-3284. Thanks again for listening. Destiny Community Church, for life's journey.